0: And now, beautiful people going fast on fire. Welcome to the True Fiction Podcast, Kino Club Edition.
1: Welcome to Kino Club. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 1997 John Woo American action movie, Face-Off. Why, you may ask? Well, it's been 25 years since it debuted this week. Let's see how this 90s gem holds up. Without further ado, Kino Club discuss Face-Off. This meeting of the Kino Club is now in session. We just watched the 1997 film Face Off. John Woo directed it. It was John Travolta and our man, Nick Cage. So who do we have here tonight? Roll call. (laughs) Yeah, Kino Club roll call is... I'm Marshall. (laughs) I'm Norbert. And once again, I'm Pat. What's our initial impressions?
0: When I had first seen this movie years ago and stuff, I remember it being very action-packed. And it is very action-packed. I remember it just feeling like an action movie but I was quite a bit younger and then uh now that I've rewatched it for this uh Kino Club review I feel like it's action packed but it's a lot more paced out than I remember but at the same time there are parts of it that are almost as if the plot can't be bothered because the action's coming up they really try to explain a lot away Really quick. I mean, the whole concept is really just kind of ludicrous. But it's uh, the the whole thing just feels like a ludicrous concept to get to crazy
2: action scenes. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I think that there is a when I, when I get down got done watching this, I thought, wow, there's a lot of preposterous things happening in this movie, <laughs> and even the some of the action was preposterous, but it was fun and. We had watched recently The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with Nick Cage. And the through line to me is Nick Cage goes for it. I mean, in this in this flick, he, really, he there's no holding back. I love that part of his acting. He just gives you what he got. And at this time, let's see, 97. In 94, Travolta had Pulp Fiction. So he had a resurgence of his career after... You know, going in the wilderness for a while. So, and I thought he 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 did a capable job. I can't imagine who else you would put on the other side of him of uh, Nick Cage. But otherwise, I thought it was fun. Don't think too hard. <laughs> and they they wanted to get to that conflict to the well. You know is that is that that's how's he behaving like this and just putting in and swapping the positions. And I get that, and I I appreciate it. I appreciate the action of it. I appreciate the performances of it. I enjoyed it, even though it's a a little preposterous.
0: I want to note that. I want to come back to that. We'll get uh, Pat's review first, but the performances. I I loved it. I did. I loved it, Um, and I I agree 100%. It's just fun. You kind of turn your brain off and have fun with it, Um, but I
1: I do want to make a note on that. So I remember 1997, I was working in a factory, and I had I were some of the greatest people I've ever met is still friends with them. But I came into work one day and people started talking about this movie called Face Off. They told me the what it was about, and I said, That's probably the dumbest thing I've ever or is it a serious movie? Yeah, it's an action flick. I go, That's dumb as hell. I mean, that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Seriously. Finally, I decided I'm gonna go see this movie. And of course I loved it. I thought you just can't focus on the premise too much, you know. It's just too much fun. And Nicolas Cage and John Travolta had to be having a blast making this movie. I actually think it's one of Nick Cage's best. I mean, it's it's the one where he first there was a lot of money behind that movie and he's really crazy and Nick, nobody does crazy like Nick. So, yeah, I really fell in love with the movie the first time I saw it.
0: It is kind of a movie where the premise is just extremely ridiculous but somehow it works like in the sense that because i think that i've i've seen movies where the premise is ridiculous and then they explain the plot enough to where it's like okay i can i can buy into that they don't even do that really <laughs> and they just brush over things in broad strokes but it's still somehow it still works out and i think it is some of the the performances but at the same time One of the things I was going to mention about the performances is that they're fun and over the top. But as far as like uh, from like an like a acting viewpoint, they're supposedly switching characters, you know. And I would say that they're not really masterful. And you know, I don't I don't believe that uh, John Travolta was masterful in adapting Nick Cage's character, and I don't believe that John Travolta or you know, and vice versa. And there's like kind of a thing that happens too where One is very over the top and one's very subtle, but it's almost to a point where it's just extremes on both sides because there's watching Nick Cage as um, Sean, what was his, Sean Parker, the agent Sean Parker? Archer. Sean Archer. Archer. As uh, Agent Sean Archer, he's very... Subdued and you know just Very mild mannered but I wouldn't say Oh that's that character you know That but in my head it's like oh no That's Nick Cage playing that character
1: I disagree I -hmm. I disagree I really think uh, And I think that was when you watch the beginning Of it that is some of the most Craziest that you're going to see Nick Cage He's you know he's dressed like the priest He's he's uh he's doing the little dance You know he's in front of the uh, Hallelujah choir and he does a dance And he grabs the girl and it's just so out there and over the top. <laughs> and I felt like there were scenes that matched that energy. Uh, John Travolta matched that energy. And I, I thought it was really good. And I think that John Travolta was very dour. And, and of course, you know, this is one of the worst. This this movie starts with a child being shot. It's just ridiculously sad. So at the very beginning, they established who these people were. You know, John Travolta was was driven by, um, by pain in depression and he just wanted to get um you know the the nick cage character i also know that nicholas cage and john travolta spent two weeks working out the characters and and how their uh, their actions would be so that they could play off each other so i thought uh, for me i seen it i i thought it really worked i thought they did a great job but there's also some funny things too one thing that i remember that was really funny and you're right about uh Things are explained with like one sentence, you know, and then they just move on. So when, when Travolta had his face switched, he was actually Castor Troy and he was talking about how bad his face looked. And he said, yeah, and, and this ridiculous chin. And of course, it's Travolta saying that. I thought that was hilarious.
2: And as you can see, this is very difficult to talk about because once you get into the back and forth <laughs> of the characters, I always, you know, as someone who's worked on creating stories, you always have this premise of an idea and you go oh my gosh i got this great premise and it's like how do you get there you know how do you get from your start point to your end point or even your midpoint and obviously they was just like you know we'll fix it in post yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so i feel like it was one of those things where it was like we're, we're just gonna go with it we're gonna go with it and when i'm watching a movie it's like if I know what the rules are, whatever it is, I can live with. If you're going to be preposterous, be preposterous. And be preposterous all the way through. And I felt like they did that. So I was like, and to Marshall's point about, I could tell. there. Were, I thought that the, each character was in and out of the other one. Like, I felt there was points where Nick Cage really captured John Travolta's essence and vice versa. In places and in other places you can see it just kind of slipped yeah I,
0: I think kind of like where I'm coming from on it is that with uh, the caliber of actors that they are it wasn't seamless
2: it was I, I could see one at least my my take was there were some parts where I went yeah I could buy they was really zoned in and in other places you're like eh, <laughs> uh, I don't know but that's my take but i I do say this as Nick Cage is getting older, I think the over the top villain uh, part for him would be gold because him unrestrained as a villain is awesome. As a young man and as as he's getting into middle age and and older, I think that would be a great part for him.
1: So you you think there should be a face off too?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just think that kind of character is something that he excels at. The less limits he has on him, the better you know I, I I just find when he when he's all out like he was talking about that scene to start out with with the choir that was so over the top and great oh yeah,
1: so that's that's prime Nick Cage right there you yeah. know, and a lot of his other more recent films. He's usually playing a very dour person, you know, kind of a down in your luck. I don't ever even, I never buy him as a happy person either, you know. When I, when he's supposed to be a happy person, uh, well, usually it's not very often. When he was in Primal, he was a very, you know, he was kind of a, well, he was a jerk in that movie, but um, you know, he had some good lines, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're a real
2: Einstein," he <laughs> calls the parrot.
1: <laughs> but uh, you'd have to see the flick; it's it's really really uh, okay.
2: This is this is uh, IRS Nick Cage. Yeah, really. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I and I would love to see him act a you know do a little crazy stuff. But there were some scenes in there, especially when he was jumping when he's getting away from the 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 prison, where this is like this very secure prison. But he flips a few switches, and by golly, he's out of there. You know. <laughs> And then he, they don't jumps. have time for the plot. Yeah, you no. know? Gotta he got to get to action. He jumps in the water, and then what did uh like if this was Seinfeld be and yada yada yada, <laughs> he was back home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he swam to shore. Yeah. yeah, who needs to see that? Part? Yeah, you don't need yeah. to see that part. It's <laughs> <That's> just
2: filler. <laughs> but one of the things I thought about as I, as he was escaping, I was thinking. So why aren't there more prison breaks? If it's that easy in a supermax, you gotta believe in a regular prison, you could just get out at the drop of the hat. <laughs> what was the? I guess uh, like what what type of person
0: was <laughs> Caster Troy? And I and I asked that because uh, I at first when I remembering back when I'd watched it, I thought he was like this international terrorist. But then like his uh, the Nick Cassavetes character was kind of like this uh, kind of mobster playboy. Sort of sort of set up and and he, it made it seem like they had like a gang or something set up so I couldn't really place on what his motivations were or why why they were gonna destroy <laughs> the or were they were gonna was it nerve gas the uh, la Convention center the
1: yeah I don't even think that was their deal I think he was just a um, he was just a broker basically and his 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 brother Pollux was the mastermind behind the bomb. So I think I think he was just a broker, so I think he was just a dirtbag that did anything he could and he was pretty high up there, you know, in, in money and uh in dealing with some really wretched characters.
0: That's okay. what I got from it, it. That makes sense.
2: There was a couple of points that they talked about <laughs> during the film, which I don't know if Caster Troy is somewhat of a Joker character. There's a certain anarchist like I just want to watch the world burn quality to him in terms of like wanting to set a bomb off in order to get as much attention to himself, you know, as deranged people like to do. is like they they like to to have that kind of attention. But the other thing I thought about is after he, again, this may have been shoehorned in afterwards, but him trying to get rid of other factions. He was going to use uh, being the FBI agent to clean out the competition. Oh, yeah. And I remember, but then again, he was cleaning out his own crew. So maybe they weren't his part. So don't think about it too hard. <laughs> I, I think one of, <laughs> one of the things that make this movie interesting and fun is the direction of John Wu. And I think, I'm trying to think, I think he was one of the earlier adopters of this kind of the slow moving operatic uh, movements of the camera and action. That was and, his jam. Yeah. And it influenced people afterwards. I remember one of the scenes with Caster Troy, Nick Cage's character, as he's walking near the, uh, by the plane and the billowing of the coat. And I remember in the movie Hannibal that Ridley Scott directed, there was a similar willowing of the the cape that came in afterwards. I don't know remember exactly what year that movie came out, but I remember that scene. I was thinking, obviously, that was an influence. I mean. His style of direction influenced, I think, obviously, what was it, 98 or 99 when The Matrix came out, they took it to a different level. But there was a lot of technique that you didn't normally see in action movies. One of the things I thought about as well is whenever they was doing the action and they did sort of the slow-mo thing and they was playing the, the operatic type music behind it to, to change the feel of the action. And I thought that was interesting. And different, and I don't remember before then seeing movies that had that kind of feel to it.
1: I did. I seen tons of movies with that in it. They were all John Woo movies. John <laughs> Woo stole from himself, and he put all the best things in that movie: the doves, the slow mo- motion, the billowing um, coat, the the double guns. You know that. You know the double guns jumping. You know so that that was all John Woo. He did a lot of movies with Chow young Fat. And these were the Chinese movies, um, The Killer, Better Tomorrow, Better Tomorrow 2. These were awesome movies. And there's a thing in in Chinese culture called, I think it's called wuxia. And basically, wuxia is talking about the swords person. Uh, The person is a, it's not anybody that's uh, rich or military or anything like that. It's basically the, so wuxia refers to a vigilante. And it's permeated throughout opera and film. And, it's, and this is old. This is something that's been a, a while. And John Wu movies, basically, you know, almost all of the Chinese movies that I've seen, and I haven't seen all of his Chinese movies, but a lot of his movies have that wuxia. And, of course, this has that in spades. Um, the character, uh, the Sean Archer getting his face to be Nicolas Cage... He is this, you know, he's basically this vigilante now, you know, that he's got to try to prove himself right. And he's got everybody against him. And I think that's this was really the first American film that John Woo went full John Woo. And I, I think it it was perfect. It was like the best time. It had a great budget. It had a great cast. And, and John Woo basically had enough and he didn't write that he just directed it so he had enough control to add all that stuff and i think people behind the movie wanted people to see what john
2: woo was all about i definitely think that if you took away the stylishness of this movie the preposterousness of it would be even more visible and sort of the glossing over of how things actually happen it feels like to me that the style of it is a huge component as to what makes this movie work in my mind
1: oh i agree and i i wanted to uh, bring up something marshall said earlier too he said caster troy character uh was a lot like joker and there was this there's he made these weird noises there was a scene where he just kind of figured out that Somebody took his face, you know, and we all hate that when that happens. <laughs> but he is he's doing this maniacal he's making these weird sounds and all of a sudden it becomes a laugh. And it's I mean it just felt like the Joker. You know, you really feel like there's going to be a, you know, Batman or somebody's going to come after this guy. And I I thought it was awesome. I love that part. I
0: think Norbert said that. The thing about the Joker. Or Caster Troy being similar. Hey, to man, himself.
1: can you just cool out a little bit? Does, does it really matter who said it? You know, that was a while back. I don't know. Sure, I'll take credit for what Norbert says. Did you say it was Joker?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, so I... I... Cool. <laughs> I agree. Good one, Norbert. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take that later.
2: <laughs> well, go ahead. Take yeah. it. Why do I care? So... I was thinking about what you were just saying about that scene. One of the things that I thought was interesting about it is how they held keeping the shot of him that you couldn't tell. Even when you could tell, it wasn't super clear. And I thought that was a good move because you're like, what does he look like? What does he look like? What does he look like without his face? What does he look like? And I thought th- them holding that scene, holding that image back was a is a good play because then you're just the the tension rises and with his performance the maniacal it just amps up the the uh the reveal so
0: that felt very like uh something out of like a black and white 40s film you know where they don't show the face directly and it kind of builds that tension up and stuff and I, i wonder if that was kind of an homage to something like that or but um there was something you'd said uh, that Pat sure. I was gonna touch on the sure uh, was me <laughs> yeah, it might have been Norbert the uh, um, I'll claim it since so somebody's taking my stuff <laughs> oh the uh, you you talking about John Wu a lot of times I associate a lot of action films with kind of this uh, you know run and gun and explosions and the the doves flying and stuff but a lot of that is John you know attributed to John Wu and then I started thinking about that even more in the sense of action films and where we are today and where it went and I th- I think pretty confidently I could say, and I wonder if you guys would agree, that without John Woo, there wouldn't have been the Matrix that we have today. And I say that, and I know, I say that because I think that's personally a, uh, that was kind of a, you know, an awakening in film for me, but I also think publicly that was kind of an awakening for people, just the different camera styles and the action and kind of the run, run and gun shooting style and
2: I definitely believe believe that there was a now if I don't know if it was they was influenced. uh, The Wajahowskis were influenced by Face Off or previous John Woo movies, but they definitely build upon styles that he made popular. Now, there is a couple things that as you look back and you watch, you go, huh, what the, the whole diving to the side and not seeing what happens after they dive you know they're like completely on a on a horizontal as they're shooting and then the next scene is they cut to them running away and you're like well what happened you jumped out of a plane you know horizontally what happens and the other trope that i thought has been so overused in action Movies is the exploding behind the character running kind oh, of yeah, feel. Sure, and I, to be honest, I think any action director, anytime they think, "Oh, this is a great idea," try to figure out something else. Try to, I mean, like the harpoon gun, I like that. You know, try to think of different ways to accomplish danger and and uh, tension because I've seen so many of those that after a while you're like, okay when I see somebody running away from an explosion, I just, the tension drops now because it's like, okay, we got to put the obligatory shot in there. And it, it it almost works in the opposite of way it's supposed to, for me at least.
1: Keanu Reeves was in a movie. Uh, it was him and Morgan Freeman and he was some kind of genius, of course. And they were working on some bomb. Anyway, uh, (laughs) one of the things that you were talking, kind of reminded me of this there, the, uh, escaping an explosion either running or he was on a motorcycle and he was running from an explosion and it's just hilarious you know if you've ever been around a real explosion like i've been out in the woods we poured a little too much gas on the fire (laughs) and you don't have time you don't run from anything i was in the mid i was just turning my body when it felt like somebody kicked me in the chest and (laughs) knocked me down you don't run from these things. I mean, I understand that we, um, you know, we we want this to be exciting, but the running from fire, I've just never bought. I thought that's the dumbest thing in the world. You know, to, well, almost. I thought Face Off was the dumbest thing in the world, but running with fire is a close second. <laughs> but, you know, I always, I say that, but, you know, I love the movie. I love the movie, so. Was, uh, how much had
0: Michael Bay directed before this movie?
1: Quite a bit. I think... I'm sure The Rock, i think thinking The Rock had already been done. Um, oh, yeah. That's another I Nick Cage. don't know if Gone in 60 Seconds had been. Gone in 60
2: Seconds is afterwards. Is after, okay. I'm pretty sure. but He didn't direct that. I think he just produced it. Yeah, I mean, you know. When did we, Pearl we, Harbor come out? He directed that one, right? Uh, I don't know. I thought that was a mid-90s, late 90s. Michael Bay, Arma- I think Armaged- you're right. Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah. yeah. And that was which
1: like- which Neil Tice DeGrasse says is the the least... Uh, correct um movie that with science so it's it's like you know the most uh, the most incorrect movie using science so
0: having seen some of other the other uh but is it
1: cool (laughs) you you know we have friends that love it so (laughs) (laughs)
0: having having seen some of the other john woo films it kind of feels like this was like a john woo does michael bay you know (laughs) because there's (laughs) helicopters explosions and probably one of my favorite lines in this movie was, uh, damn it, you can't play chicken with a jumbo jet. Or, <laughs> or, was it a jumbo jet or a jet or something like that? But he's he's in the Jeep and going forward to the jet.
2: <laughs> that was early in the movie. yeah, oh, yeah that was yeah. like
1: right off. <laughs> well, it was a very exciting chase, too. I loved it, you know. That was just, yeah. you know, the testosterone just was flying out of the screen on that thing. It was amazing. <laughs> I loved how he, Blew the helicopter around and shot the engines. <laughs> that so was just the
0: best. Which he went from the Jeep to the helicopter, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: My favorite part is those guys were marksmen to anybody else other than themselves. They couldn't hit them, the other one. Yeah. They could yeah. hit everybody else, but they couldn't hit each other.
1: Did you notice? And I think I try to watch this throughout the whole thing. And and the body count for basically it was Caster. No, it was... um. Sean Archer, that had the face of Caster, Troy. His body count was the lowest. Like, if you went through the prison break, it was that guy that he grabbed to go with him. That's the guy that did all the killing. Well, when it was Nick Cage, he didn't kill so much as he'd shoot people in the foot. He threw up the bottle of sulfuric acid and shot <laughs> it. And I didn't know that sulfuric acid could set you on fire, but maybe it does. I don't know. That was very interesting.
2: I, I had that same thought when I watched it. I was like, hmm <laughs> really but I, I well
1: that's
0: why they lock it up in the prisons <laughs> that they keep it in guess
2: <laughs> sure. yeah, it's yeah. why is
1: it there <laughs> well he's supposed to be good he can't be mowing down all these you know these innocent jail people he tried not to kill and matter of fact he tried to save some of the fbi agents you know even at his own detriment sometimes I love the way they did that. I actually watched it uh, one and a half times, so I think I may have a little bit more knowledge about it than you guys do.: <laughs> Yeah,
0: We can't all be as, as prepared as you. Pat. One thing that I wanted to bring up, that you know, now it just adds to the charm of the film. But how many stunt doubles could you like visibly see it was not John Travolta <laughs>
2: or Nick Cage like <laughs> You mean that wasn't Nick <laughs> yeah. Cage jumping out of the the platform I into was, the ocean I Come was heartbroken on. too I know
1: <laughs> That boat crash and they all flew up and it was yeah, it was other guys, you know, it wasn't them.
0: But I wonder, do you think was that because this was originally done in film probably and now we have, you know, HD televisions that we notice that or 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 was it just poorly done?
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I I did think that these were some of the worst-looking stunt doubles, although they put these stunt doubles through their paces. These guys got beat up. I felt
0: that way about the, the prosthetics, too, or I guess like the, the makeup, like when they take the face off, it's obviously, well, you I mean, you know it's a fake Nick Cage or John Travolta. What? But it, it, it <laughs> looked real, but it didn't look really like Nick Cage or John Travolta.
1: <laughs> it, you know, so it looked, uh, I think what you're trying to say is it looked 1997 real, <laughs> Yeah. but it absolutely didn't look like 2022 real. <laughs> I thought it looked real, but it didn't look like them. Looked like them, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, I agree with you.
0: I was I was kind of impressed with some of the things. Now the thing like the the laser beam doing the stitches or sewing the face on, you know, was,
2: whatever. Well, you brought this up when we were watching it, I Marshall. bet you when day was doing it, they was like, "This is this is killer."
1: Yeah, this is the you know, nobody's ever seen anything like this. People's heads are going to explode in the theater. But what's the best time to do a haircut? Is it when you're getting your face cut off? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> you get a haircut and a dye job. Yeah, on your face is being off.
2: There's no no chance for hair to get in. uh, No, absolutely.
1: (laughs) This is my question question I asked Marshall this, and I will ask you now, Norbert. Was this a science fiction movie? And explain, yes or no. I feel like I don't
2: feel like it was (laughs) (laughs) because science fiction was it. It only was. Used in a, a few spots to move the plot along, so for me no, but I'm not sure how you want to define it too yeah that's
0: a that's a tough one. I think about it just uh like thinking about if is this a science fiction it makes me think about other films and question if they're science fiction. I think the most science fiction elements because it comes down to kind of i guess more granular aspects of this movie to decide if it's a science fiction or not, but would be like laser stitching technology (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, or being able to cut your face off and (laughs) trade it with another person. And then, uh, the super prison having the magnetic boots, which I feel like I've seen that before. I thought there was like a, uh, Sylvester Stallone film where they're in a super prison with magnetic, magnetic boots, but maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. Hmm. But that's that's the only ones
2: I could think of like, uh, when Demolition Man or um there was one that was hard to escape, I think what's his name. No?
1: Oh, I'm trying to think of it as maximum Maximum
0: There's another big star in it. Yeah. Like
1: uh Oh Schwarzenegger.
0: Okay. Escape yeah.
1: Plan. Escape Plan, that was it. Yeah, you're right. And I enjoyed that movie. But we're not talking about that movie,
2: so <laughs> I'm just enjoying that. Well that's a how do you think about it, Pat? Well, I don't think it
1: is. I think I think you're right. I think it's just a uh, a plot device. To, to move the story the way that they wanted to. Once they did it, it's really, that's your hump. That's what you have to get over. So a lot of this movie, for me, it was in my head. Would you want to go through life looking like the person that killed your son and your wife be, seeing that, that
2: every day? Be, yeah, there, there's elements of what they're doing that's interesting. Yeah. Like, interesting philosophical questions. How would you deal with that? It would literally drive some people mad. They Absolutely. They I don't know that I could handle it, but then again, I don't think I'm going to have to worry about it.
0: (laughs) That brings up a good point too, is I think maybe one of my biggest gripes about the film is that there are interesting points that are brought up like that, but I don't think they're really ever explored. But I mean, but at the same time, I'm not mad about that because everything else was kind of pushed along in the plot to get to the action or broad strokes. But when you think about it, like ultimately when they swap places, all they did was improve each other's lives outside of trying to kill each other because he he made a better connection with his daughter at first than Sean Archer originally was and then uh, brought Spice back to, you know, his his marriage or, you know, kind of a spark back and then... what. <laughs>
1: Are you serious?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I'm saying what I'm saying is that they they bettered each, and then and then yeah. uh hold on hold on and then the the other guy well, or uh Sean Archer as Caster Troy created a better relationship with his son and his uh, son and I guess girlfriend.
1: Oh, his girlfriend that, that yeah. yeah ended up. But what it, I'm yeah. but what I'm
0: saying is that they they like so they did that they helped each other but there wasn't ever like a struggle of identity like there could have been something where like you know like sean archer as Castor troy you know has to go really dark like kill somebody you know and then is like is this who i am you know am i becoming who who i've hated but there wasn't any of that there wasn't any of that kind of like uh
2: self-reflection
0: yeah self-reflection or metaphors or irony even you know to i mean there was to a certain extent but it it really didn't go in depth they just they did like at first they kind of it was like things got better like it was like a like they swapped sides you know the, so it was, was
2: like this the, what was it like the reality <laughs> shows where they swapped uh wife swap yeah, yeah, yeah. Wife
0: swap. but there wasn't anything i i guess like before it's time it just uh there was a time where things were getting better as them swapped in places though the people around them were i know that's
1: that's dark that's horrible but uh
0: yeah it is but because but think about it, his like his daughter was happier because she
1: didn't know he he wanted to have sex with her <laughs> She seen this as being a dad be getting closer to he was basically wanting to I'm not saying it's a good thing. <laughs> you were saying that. It no, <laughs> uh, proved <laughs> improved the relationship. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yeah.
2: Until it didn't. <laughs> but what I'm saying and who is who like, would want to be married
0: to Castro <laughs> Troy? I mean, come on. But I guess like why why even show that aspect though? You know what I mean? Like why even show that like you know, like, oh, this is the the peppiness step that Sean Archer was missing and the people around him are happier <laughs> because of it. And it's like well, that's kind of morose because this is, you know, he's really a killer, and, and like you said, he wants to have sex
1: with his daughter, and then which it really, I mean, it isn't his daughter, but it's yeah, his, his daughter's dad's body, so yeah, yeah, that he wanted to use to have sex with, <laughs> and then the wow, <laughs> and then the other guy, talk about hot
0: takes, Sean <laughs> Archer as Castor Troy, you know, he he makes that connection with, I guess, his estranged girlfriend and illegitimate son, and then. And then, so then it's like, yeah, we can maybe be a a weird family, you know, even though I got that weird brother thing going on. And then, uh, but um, my whole thing is like, why, why even show that as like, things should have been diminished in a way, you know, I think the, I think things should have been Like, uh, you know, like people should have been more like, this is, you know, you're acting really weird or, you know, kind of, which I think it got to that, but not at first.
1: (laughs) Oh no. You know, I mean, well, it was actually the first night that Castor Troy went home to Archer's wife and had sex with her. And he did for a couple weeks, and she was really happy about that. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I'm not saying that's a good thing. That's what happened, though. But you I'm, did say it was an improvement. Hold on, no,
0: no. But I'm saying that I'm not saying like watching that as a spectator. That's a good thing. I'm saying that.
1: I'm saying that the, the characters,
0: the characters. Here comes un- the qualifiers. <laughs> the characters unknowingly were like, "Oh, life is great right now. Like, what's you know, things are things are looking up for a second. (laughs)
2: i mean i guess that's the that's
0: (laughs) you're totally (laughs) no i'm not that is ridiculous you're
1: misconstruing
0: what i'm saying
1: i'm i'm so i'm watching the the the, okay (laughs) i'm looking at the reality but what was actually happening just because somebody's smiling oh my dad you know he he gave me a little pat on the butt oh you know what he meant by that really (laughs) you really want to know what he meant
0: but I'm not saying I'm not saying like yeah that's great you know <laughs> it sounds like no that's was no it but was I'm an he so. spice improved things for for the first couple of weeks come yeah, on for
1: the first couple of weeks
0: <laughs> but if you're writing the plot to this thing I mean things are like there is a li- like even with the 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 uh, employees that he works with and stuff they're like oh you had the stick removed from your butt you know and, and every and people are happier around him and stuff. <laughs> Until they
1: die. <laughs> Until they die. Yeah, Until- <laughs> they all died. So I think I think that's for me. That's the takeaway. You know what we're looking at is we're seeing. To me, that was all creepy. So it it had nothing for me. I didn't go, <laughs> hey, they're getting along. That's awesome. <laughs> I kept thinking, well, when is he going to you know have sex with his daughter? Because that's. I mean that's where it was actually going and that's very creepy that the way he was acting around his daughter the way he was basically treating his you know archer's wife that to me was very creepy because I agree we, what I agree. we seen what we seen with Casper Troy was you know it's like that pilot you know he's, he's flying he goes I can't I can't pull up because there's you know it's not gonna work and he goes oh and he shoots him in the head he's like oh so anything could have happen so to me it was more when I seen that I didn't think golly it's good to see him <laughs> no, getting along i not saying
0: saying
2: (laughs) daddy daughter time. (laughs) So, so maybe, maybe what you're getting to a point is morally evil can be fun but it can kill you <laughs> you're st- i think you guys are still misunderstanding
1: what i don't I'm know saying if I want to understand just to be honest <laughs> you're saying the that's characters. what there's are
2: that's the the direction that the story took not necessarily that you agree with it but that's what you felt that's the vibe you yeah. got yeah well I think of it
0: like this right is like so there was a time there was a time regardless of how the the spectator felt that these characters were like hey this guy's this guy's cool now. I'm, I'm liking this connection with this guy. And uh, who knows what happened or how he changed and stuff, which I agree, you know, to the spectator, that's very creepy. But I think that could have been portrayed in a way that w- it was diminishing relationships instead of there being some sort of like perceived benefit from the characters. Like I, I, like, I think the whole thing with the, why, why have the connection at all with the, the daughter? And then he, and then the other thing too is like, so he, he takes the boyfriend out of the car and beats him up. And there's that, like, he's protective of this, of this daughter now, you know? And that's like, that's like, okay. So, so does that mean when Caster Troy goes away, then Sean Parker comes back that Archer, he, were, Archer, Sean Archer, you like, he wouldn't have the,
1: absolutely not. The I said, I really, to I,
0: protect his daughter.
1: no. Because I mean you Sean Archer was a very um physical fighter we've seen that in the prison we've seen that a lot in this movie. I think kind of the same thing would have happened if it was actually Sean Archer that seen what was going on with his daughter and that and you know that kid from the 70s show. I think that yeah, he would have done pretty close to the same thing
2: well and and you could look at it too if since we're trying to go into this mindset <laughs> so Castor Troy looks at the the, the boy after this the, the boy hitting on on his daughter because she, he views her as a potential conquest yeah and and property uh, yeah mm. and so not I don't, only that I don't if, but I don't think that's, and it's also that's a true. way for him to I think to, you guys are taking it way dark <laughs> cuz i don't now, think that's yeah, how hey, that scene hey is hey, hey 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 you went, you opened this door so did we're you, walking in
1: did you <laughs> not see how many people Caster Troy
2: killed at this I meeting? think he and it, he does he need ex, excuse for being violent? I mean, for him no. it's like, oh, well, this is this is perfect opportunity to to take my whatever whatever I, you know, frustrations he has out on this boy. Well, but I think there's
1: significance to that. I think it was a a character building. So, I I really think that we need scene. to all agree to disagree on this. <laughs> I I want to bring up another point if I can. And this is why I brought up earlier I talked to and it was you, Norbert, that we talked about a sequel. I, I mentioned maybe you think there should be a well, there should have been a sequel. Did you notice when they got in the ambulance? I thought the John Travolta character, which was actually cast, uh, Caster Troy, I thought he was dead with the the harpoon. But when he put him in the put him in the uh, ambulance, he put him right next to the Nick Cage guy, and he didn't have like when usually when you have a dead person in an ambulance or a dead person anywhere, they have a, a the uh, the sheets over you. The sheet wasn't over him. So I was wondering, did was he still alive? I wondered about that. I wonder if there was if they
2: did that. If they had the techni- technology to switch people, they have a technology to <laughs> basically bring him back from the dead. I would imagine. And that, if you need that plot device in the, in the face off world, you got it.
1: Well, I mean, I think. I but but if you were watching that movie, you could say oh, this may not be over. Right. And even though we had the Walters Institute or whatever it was that had all that funky science going on or science. I, that makes me giggle just to say that <laughs> about this movie. But um, was there another group that could do this? Fa- I mean, he got his face back on. You know, he got, he. you know, Travolta got his, I think Sean Archer got his face back on.
0: They said they called top doctors from D.C.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where they keep all the top <laughs> <Yeah>. doctors. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> that's where, yeah. <laughs> I, I
0: liked we I discussed this with Pat, but I think that when he comes home and there's the reveal when he walks through the door, there should have been a scar or like a droopy eye, you know. And then the explanation is you can't flip flop, you know, you can't back forth, back forth, you know. It's it's not an exact science. I mean we cut uh, your hair They got the doing
1: top
2: docs from DC, yeah. so yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, these weren't top docks from Arkansas or, you know, this was just like the top docks from D.C. So <laughs> or,
2: or Terre Haute. Or, or Terre
1: Haute, yeah. <laughs> so nothing against Arkansas. I think it's a probably a lovely state. So I think we beat the crap out of this one so far. Uh, this is probably a deeper dive than it deserved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely in some directions, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. So what are our thoughts now post our discussion?
0: Overall I it was a little more plotting than I remembered, but I love this film and uh, I think it's great. It's uh, something I I look forward to re-watching down the road just as, you know, kind of a nostalgic piece and uh, also just having Nick Cage as one of my favorite actors and the, the plot and the premise is completely over the top and it just in so many ways this movie shouldn't work, but I think because of the performances of
2: Travolta and Nick Cage it, it worked out wonderfully. I think post one of the things that I was taking away, thinking about our discussion is that the movie is more flawed in many ways, but it also has, it hints at some deeper things that it never really gets to. And I think for me, the movie is not a great movie, but it's a fun movie with great visual style and over the top performances by Nick Cage, particularly and John Travolta. I think, uh, if you go into it and you love action movies and you love the kind of visual stylings, this movie's for you. If you're looking for a great, well thought out, plotted movie, this movie's not for you.
1: Oh, I agree 100%. I think for me, uh, after us discussing this movie, I I think that my thoughts about it could have got much darker. I guess I didn't know that, but um, <laughs> but I think that one thing that I I really will take what you guys I I this is what I felt. I felt that things were being you know they're using that um kind of the one line you know explanations to move the plot. They're doing things, I, and you know like Marshall had said earlier that that really is basically the action was king in this movie for the most part. There were some plotting parts, but he, well, and that those are Marshall's words. I think there are parts to solidify that there's human humanity in some of these characters. So it couldn't all be bang bang shoot them up. But but when it did, I mean it was just. It was on. The thing I really like about this movie, too, is one of those things that if you you just want to see a mindless, just, sh- you know, shoot 'em up movie that you used to call these uh, movies for guys who like movies, and I, I guess I should, you know, bring that into the 2022s and say movies for people who like movies, you know. It's an amazing movie because I think that Travolta and Cage were at the top of their game during this flick, so...
2: I think one addendum to that is, as we discussed, I think this was a movie that influenced action movies post, uh, and John Woo's, maybe his earlier movies were also influential to movies that came after it. And so I think from that st- standpoint, it definitely is a a good John Woo movie. If you want to see John Woo movie and the stylings that he brought to action, then this is a good movie to watch.
1: No, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I think
0: that's something I took away from our discussion was how critical of a role John Woo's films have played in either influencing other action films or kind of paving paving the way for action film style.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now it makes me want to go back and watch A Better Tomorrow, which I, I love. Then they actually remade that movie, which is is the remake is pretty good as well. Are we all in agreement? This needs to be. I don't. I don't want to see a uh, a remake, but I think this deserves a sequel. We still have Nick. We still have John. I'd like to see a sequel to this.
0: I uh, I did want to, yeah, kind of explore that. I know we're running close on time, but the, there are a lot of areas that could be explored with a sequel. The Like you had mentioned, you know, we really don't know if uh, Castor Troy is dead. And they kind of left that ambiguous. And, and that was, you know, the whole crux of the plot that he came back alive from his coma, you know, was that that was ambiguous. So that that really leaves it wide open for a possible sequel. And then also the the thought of, you know, Caster Troy maybe paid people off to put Sean Archer back in prison, and it's not really Sean Archer going home,
2: you know?
1: Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. We could go a lot of different ways.
2: Or, or even, yeah, you could even, Sean Archer could be passed, and Nick Cage comes back, and he tries to take revenge on the son, who is really his son, the Caster Troy character.
1: It's interesting. I kept thinking that when that kid grew with uh, Sean Archer, every now and then, you know, he would look at that kid and see, you know, Castor Troy and just smack the crap out of him. (laughs) But I don't think that happened. I'm sure they lived happily ever after. I
0: thought when they brought him in, they go, he was going to go, and you know what else? We're just going to call him Mike.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I thought too. (laughs) That was his, you know,
0: the son that died. His name. He's like, you guys cool with that? All right, (laughs) we're going to call you New Mike. (laughs) Well, I feel better.
1: <laughs> you like baseball? You know you do. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, I think we'll call this meeting of the Kino Club adjourned. This has been a lot of fun talking about this flick. I, I'm I'm glad we you know, I'm glad it fell on the twenty fifth anniversary of the, the film so that we actually watched it because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching this again. It was a lot of fun. All right, let's all have a good night. Uh, Talk to you guys later. Bye.
2: Thanks for hanging out with us on the True Fiction Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please visit us at Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. Until next time, stay true and stay creative. you're too late.
1: Somewhere else Catch a ride Catch a ride somewhere